Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I have a great guest, Victoria Williams, which is the founder of Terptree, a multi-award-winning business with a mission to change the world for deaf people by revamping the everyday customer experience. As you will hear, Victoria lives and breathes this organization. She's a powerhouse of passion and inspiration. This episode is very relevant as we go into times where developing new revenue streams and making your business more inclusive becomes a must. Victoria tells about that alone in the UK there is more than 11 million people living with a hearing disability and many of them often struggle when they go shopping or dining. That's a huge potential market to serve. Victoria gives some great advice on how to tap into this market by just changing small things in your customer journey. This episode was an eye-opener for myself and I'm sure you will take something from it as well. So grab headphones, pen and notebook and enjoy! We are in the last week of September 2020, and the pandemic is still roaring out there, as we talked about on many of the episodes since March. Today, we, we're not going to talk about maybe a, a directly linked issue in operation or leadership, as many of the other podcasts. This is a, a, a bit of different focus, but all, all to the good, because there's a massive opportunity commercially out there. There is a 12 million people that is not properly served in just in the UK. And therefore, we today have invited Victoria Williams from uh, Terptree to talk about world-class deaf customer experience. And I can tell you there's some, some eye-openers in here in the conversation I had with Victoria. And I think this becomes even more relevant as we have seen the uh, the rules around face masks in retail, restaurants has, has gone up and, and the challenge is being a deaf person in that environment. But enough of me talking about it. Let's hand over to uh, to the real experts. So welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Thanks for having me. Very exciting opportunity and really looking forward to being able to share with your listeners some real things that they can do to make their experiences much more accessible for deaf customers, um, but also deaf employees right now in the middle of a pandemic where face mask wearing is now mandatory, as you said, in both retail and hospitality arenas. So this should be very helpful for people, hopefully. I was introduced to you uh, to uh, my network and said, you need to have a chat with Victoria. She has, she's on a brilliant uh, journey, has been that, it's been a life mission. Can, can you just give people out there a bit about a story about who is Victoria and what kind of organization is that you have spent, uh, I would I don't say it's wrong, a bit more than a decade building? <laughs> Scary to think of it like that, isn't it? Um, but yes, absolutely. You're right. It is a bit of a life mission and vision for me. Um, as a business, we've been established for 14 years now. So we were 14 years old last Sunday. So we did have a little birthday party, um, socially distant, obviously, um, and with a minimum of six people um just to put that out there and we have a vision as a business to change the world for deaf people so we have a mission that by 2025 we would have positively impacted one million deaf people's lives so for us as a business we do this by revamping the everyday employee and customer experience provided by the uk's biggest brands so it started um really for me when my cousin max was born he's now 27 
years old. So he was born deaf into a hearing family. So we were a family who'd never met a deaf person before, had no experience of deafness, didn't know how to communicate with a deaf person. And I was 13 when Max was born and when he was diagnosed as profoundly deaf. So as a family, we all started learning British Sign Language pretty much immediately. So for me, this has been part of my life for a very, very long time since the age of 13. Um, I'm 40 now. I'm not embarrassed to say. Um, and so it's been this is this is what I've done with my life. Um, when I left school, I from the age of 19 started working for a number of charities. I worked for the British Deaf Association, one of the largest deaf charities in the UK. I went on to establish a support service for deaf people in London, worked in mental health as well, um, and then trained to become a sign language interpreter. So I'd done all of that before the 14 years of establishing Terpetry. So it's been really beneficial for me because I come, I come at this with a wealth of experience that I've gained during my time in working you know, on the ground with deaf people. And it's given me a real insight into the barriers and challenges that deaf people face on a day-to-day basis. Um, so yeah, so that's a, that's a little bit about me. So Terptree, can you tell a bit more about what, what you are, you set out in the world to do and what you have achieved in your, your 14 years? Because that's quite a, a track record for any organization to, to, to stay relevant. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we started a business as, as an interpreting agency because coming from my interpreting background, we sort of wanted to, I guess, improve how interpreting services were delivered. Because what I recognised at the time is that people were sending unqualified interpreters. So you'd have a deaf person, for example, in a job interview, they'd be sent with an interpreter who's not qualified, probably not get the job because actually they're not being represented fully by a qualified interpreter. And I really, I couldn't stand the idea of that really reflecting on my experience of having a deaf cousin. I hated the idea of him being put in that like-minded position. So that's what we sort of started at. Um, But then I guess over time became really frustrated about the fact that interpreters can solve the problem that's happening right there and then. So, you know, impact that communication barrier that's happening at that time. But that's a very short-term win. It's not a long-term gain. So I was very conscious that I wanted to do something that had real social impact and that not just impacted that one deaf person in that one interaction, but impacted way more deaf people. So we got to the position where we are now having worked with people like the Houses of Parliament on how they how deaf people access um, Parliament and, and how they understand about the parliamentary systems having worked with people like the Royal Albert Hall, more recently working with British Airways to help them improve their deaf customer journey, legal in general, looking at their whole customer journey, um, and lots of other organisations um, in, ter- you know, in, in lots of different sectors. Um, we work across sector. So it, it's really sort of culminated for us in being able to share our expertise over the years that we've gained our expertise and experience with these large brands. And, and as I said earlier, looking both at the deaf employee experience and the deaf customer experience because if you um if you support your deaf employees they're advocates of your brand to your deaf customers if you support their deaf employees they can thrive in their roles um, and you get higher levels of loyalty from deaf employees and as i said earlier with the, what you said earlier with the stats of 12 million deaf people in the uk that's one in six of the population so that's an absolutely huge number so if we think about it if we're not serving our deaf customers well we're automatically alienating one in six of our customers and that number is only going to grow so by 2035 it's predicted that number will increase to 15.6 million so we're talking about a growing population of of a large part of your consumer groups Um, and certainly the spending power of disabled people is currently estimated to be worth 249 billion in the uk alone 
Um, so we're talking about a huge opportunity that's sort of, you know, not really recognised oftentimes, um, that, that's really worth sort of engaging with. What are we talking about? Do you know the numbers on, on a global level? Because it's it, astronomically, if you think it about just on a UK level, you know, as you said, a third, you know, of the the consumer base. What, what would you know? What do you know? Any global numbers to put that in perspective? Yeah, so we're talking about 366 million deaf people across the world. Um, so it's not a small number. Um, and what we need to remember of that, because we're not talking about sign language users. I mean, that's obvious, because if not, we would see people using sign language every day, all day as we went out and, and done what we've done in our daily life. What we're talking about is um, a third, of, really predominantly a third of the over 65s has a hearing loss. So we're talking about a large number of people that are in these sort of older age demographics that have hearing loss. Um, but the good thing for us, because it's so important that deaf people who use sign language, who actually have a smaller group of people but have a larger need, are recognised in that larger group so that their needs are fully catered for as well. But we're talking about a, a, a large group of people. And it's, it's ironic, really, because deaf customers are sort of treated as a minority. But if we look at the numbers, actually, you know, it, it, the numbers speak for themselves in terms of the fact that they're underserved by most industries, but there's a massive, massive opportunity here um, to be had by businesses that really want to make that social impact and do something really great for the community as well. Yeah, and I, and I guess um, we have talked about it uh, outside the podcast uh, as well. Uh, you know, I know you support the global goals from the UN, and it's something that's, that stands me very close because I think they give you a a good steering or an intent to actually be part of solving problems for people, communities and the planet, which we all have to come together around. The pandemic is just another sign of that we as a, as a human race have just gone too far. We have played a bit too much with the planet, uh, normal natural rules, and therefore it's, it's, it's kicking us a bit back. So, so again, what, what, what is it that you are supporting when you talk? There's 17 goals in the, in the UN Global Goals. What goals are you striving to support in making the world a better place? Yeah, so the two goals that we really strive to um, work on is, is goal number four, which is quality education. So that's looking at eliminating all discrimination in education and improving universal literacy and numeracy. And then number 10, which is reduced inequalities. So that's ensuring equal opportunities and to end discrimination. So both of them, I mean, we know with the global goals, um, if, if they are backed up by government, businesses, society and the general public, we, as you said, we can build that better future for everyone. So I think we, we as businesses, certainly as small businesses, do have that power to make significant change in the world. And that's that's why we're here. We want to make that huge change. So I think in terms of quality education, you would assume that we're talking about um you know, developing countries, but actually we're not. We're talking about the UK as well. Um, there was an example the other day, which is really interesting. A friend of mine um, works in a school and she has a colleague that's just started working in the school. This is a, literally a situation that I've been made aware of in the last couple of weeks. So the colleague's been recruited to work as a TA, so a teaching assistant, and a teaching assistant across years. It's a secondary school. But what she's found herself in the position of is that she's been placed in a position where she is working alongside a deaf child who uses sign language. Now, this teaching assistant doesn't have any experience of sign language whatsoever, but they've tried to recruit locally and find someone who has experience of sign language. They haven't been able to find someone. So they now they're now in a position where there's a year seven deaf student in a secondary school who has a teaching assistant with them 
who can't use sign language, who is there to provide, and I put in inverted commas, access to that child's education. Um, not great, right? Um, and and what's, what's even more interesting is he is educationally, he's behind on where he needs to be because he didn't get that access in primary school. He didn't get that access in nursery. So a lot of the foundational learning that would have happened in those settings, had he have had an accessible setting, he wouldn't have had the same problems he's having now in secondary. And now that's being... Um, that's being sort of even more compromised by the fact he doesn't have access now. So quality education is absolutely key. And it's it's funny because we think to ourselves, you know, we're in 2020, children get educated to the level they should be in the UK, but we still find ourselves with deaf children right now. And, and this is, like I said, a real life example of what's happening in a school in the UK right now. And if you think about that being one example, that won't be the only one child who's having that experience. There'll be numbers of children having that same problem. Um, so it's it's quite frankly not good enough. So I think all of us are responsible to understand where the challenges are and where the problems are in in, in terms of you know, where children are not receiving that quality education um, and, and improving that literacy and numeracy. And then with reduced inequalities, I mean, that's that's a given with what we're talking about, really, in terms of our mission. But really offering equal opportunities and ending discrimination. So for us coming at it from the deaf employee and deaf customer standpoint, we're talking about it from both of those perspectives. Deaf employees being able to access their peer group, having access to promotional opportunities, really having full full reign over any of the opportunities in front of them. Um, and deaf customers being able to not be frowned at because they're not wearing a mask in the current climate because they are exempt from wearing a mask, as an example of that, or being frowned at because the communication's not working. Um, and those sort of tiny things that in terms of we, if we experience those things as humans, they really affect us internally. Um, so it's so those are two goals that are really crucial for us. Um, and we, through the work that we do, we work with a partner organisation called Buy One, Give One, and we give back when we do client work we give back to B1G1 as a result of funding projects that they run, basically. So we, we look at supporting deaf children across the world with um, literacy um, and lots of other sort of overseas projects that they run as well. So, yeah, so that's that's what we do in terms of the global goals. That's amazing because it, it, it's, as you said, it's all the small push on the flywheel we all can do on the different goals we put up for our businesses. And it's not about being perfect. It's about taking one step at a time. It's marginal gains. I normally say to people, "Don't, don't. You don't have to save the world, but you can do your little bit in your little area that will then accumulate with all the other action in the right direction." I, and I guess that um, it's maybe a bit of putting the answer in your mouth in a way. But this is the time, isn't it? Isn't it this the time where yes. business, because yes. we are all business is changing, people are changing. This is the time we all think about how can we make better impact. How can we spend our consumer dollars better and so on and so on. And I would argue that before, I mean, if you look at if you look at stats or reports about what what employees are looking for or what or applicants are looking for in, in positions in companies, they're looking to now this sort of new generations are looking to work for companies that have a bigger mission than just making money. That's what they want to do. So they want to work for companies where they're fulfilling the role that they want to fulfill based on their professional experience, but they want to be able to give back in a bigger way. They don't just want to turn up for work and leave and go home. So we're talking about a generation of people who that's what they're looking for. They're not just looking for a role. They're looking for that way of giving back as well. Um, and I think absolutely right now where if you look at sort of the early times during the pandemic, certainly in lockdown, 
it was all about supporting and raising people up, you know, even going out every Thursday and clapping for our NHS workers and other key workers. That's a sign that we're, we're supporting and we're getting behind those people. And even small tokens like that, it's just showing that we're thinking about other people and we're caring for them. So I think this, I think it was important before. I think it's always been there. And that's been a growing awareness of how people you know, are, are looking for employment, but also how people are shopping. People are looking for ethical providers, sustainable, sustainable source of, of providing food, beauty products. So I think we've already been on that. But I think the pandemic's really given us that extra push to go, do you know what? Who are these people that are living around us? We need to start thinking about other people around us. So I think the brands that can really understand and harness this right now are going to be in a really, really sensible position sort of moving forward. Talking about the pandemic, uh, if you take it from from your organization and deaf people, how have this situation uh, impacted you as an organization and then your your community as well? Well, it's been so there's two sort of well one major sort of theme, um, and it's it's sort of true for the general population anyway, um, is isolation. Um, but then moving that on to exclusion, so isolation has been sort of something that's affected numbers of people um, across the world due to the pandemic. We can't sort of just suggest that that's affected deaf people alone or disabled people alone. Um, you know, people who've been shielding that have been having to stay at home due to health issues that ordinarily wouldn't have felt isolated. Um, but in addition to that, for deaf people, it's been exclusion. Um, and that's not, again, to suggest that any business or um, organisation has attempted to exclude deaf people. But in terms of the mandatory face coverings um, situation obviously they became mandatory for customers on the 23rd of July but then as we saw the, the bigger change that's happened yesterday was retailers and hospitality outlets having to ensure that their staff are wearing face coverings as well so previous to that from July up until now it's been challenging for deaf people communicating as customers but now we're looking at the span being even more complicated because really as a deaf customer if the re if the Um, re retail member of staff or the hospitality member of staff is not wearing a face covering the deaf person even if they have a face covering on are able to lip read that person now that both parties are wearing face masks the ability to lip read is now impossible because you can't see someone's lips so it's that that's a massive massive challenge um, and it's not a challenge that's going to go away quickly because we're we are still dead in the middle of a pandemic and, and realistically we've, we've got a long way to get out of this still so it's we've I mean what we talk about with with organizations is really understanding their processes so really getting to grips with how they greet customers um, and making the most of those opportunities but also understanding the other sort of tools and tech that they can use around that to make this frontline certainly right now this frontline experience much easier for deaf customers um, and then you've got the deaf employee problem whereby now as I said in in retail outlets you've got and hospitality you have deaf employees that are having to wear a face mask and re and try and understand get understood and understand through face covering so it's a challenge on sort of both sides of the coin um, and it's really interesting right now because there's lots of different Facebook groups for deaf people where they congregate and talk about experience already but a number of groups since the start of the pandemic have come up to just simply talk about the pandemic and the challenges Um, and some of the experiences since the ruling came in about the changes that happened yesterday, the 28th of September, about face coverings being mandatory in these settings, deaf people's responses as both customers and employees were worrying. Um, we go back to that sort of isolation and exclusion piece. Um, 
you know, for example, for an example of a comment, I'm really struggling at work at the moment. I work in retail in the food department. I've only been back for four days and already feel stressed and upset. And then other comments such as ignorance is a big stumbling block for us deaf people now that masks are compulsory. I used to work in retail. It was hard enough without the added complication of face masks. So that's from an employee perspective. And then you've got deaf customers saying, I just hope that retail staff will recognise to pull their mask down. Um, the mask wearing is making life so hard for deaf people. I've actually been in tears over it. And then lastly, it's a constant struggle. And with this COVID, it's a lot harder than ever. Exhausting. So that just that just highlights that feeling of not just isolation, but exclusion and the effect that that's having on deaf people's mental health as well. This is a complex challenge because this is by mandatory by law now. So if you were as a company doesn't uh, follow these rules, there could be you know financial consequences and damage and brand and so on. Is there anyone out there that you have seen has been very good and maybe th- th- it's all going to change now with the new ruling? I know that, but is there anyone that has shown that like you know very good practice as brand that they are or an organization they are trying to do their best, the best intent to make this the best possible experience on both sides of the experience, the employee and the customer experience? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, one early example, which was really great, was Waterstones, um, the book reseller. And they basically had at their till points um, signs saying, if you're deaf and need to lip read, let us know and we will communicate in a different way. Um, so something really, really simple. I mean, we're talking about printing something on a sign and putting it at the front front till area um so so it's really funny because i think businesses get really caught up in going wow how do we do that you know what 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 tech do we put in place or how do we resolve this problem and it really is sort of simple things it doesn't have to be complicated so i think examples like that are great and and even putting signage at the beginning of an entrance of an area explaining that same thing having staff members that are particularly there for deaf customers there are lots of different ways that are sort of simple things to implement so they're manageable because we know that right now with the amount of changes that businesses are having to make it's challenging there's also such things as you know even as a business offering people the opportunity to wear a a badge or wear a lanyard or something to identify they have a hidden disability so the team members know that they have a hidden disability and therefore can support communication so there's lots of different schemes in place so the scheme I just said about in terms of the sunflower lanyards, um, they're basically green lanyards that have sunflower icons along the lanyard stream. And it's a lanyard that a customer would wear in order to identify themselves as having a hidden disability. So it's something that started in the aviation industry. They're discreet because it's just a lanyard, but it, it allows colleagues in stores to be alerted to the fact that that customer may need to communicate differently. So it's being they're being used across airports and airlines um, and not not all airlines, but, you know, widely across that sector. But more recently um, in some supermarkets, including Sainsbury's and Tesco's as well and, and some others. So it's a scheme that's for, for customers with hidden disabilities. So we're talking about customers who have a hearing loss or, or are deaf, customers who are autistic, customers who may be experiencing dementia, customer groups that you wouldn't physically or visually see that they have a disability. So it's so schemes like that that are definitely worth have always been worth considering but are definitely worth considering now whereby that's a visual indicator for team members to know that communication is going to need to happen differently so yeah so there's there's lots there's interesting ways to resolve these challenges um it's not it doesn't have to be big high-tech expensive solutions there are 
when we talk about communication, it's all about that human interaction, isn't it? And about that connection. And that's what we're really looking to improve. Yeah, and it's actually about meeting people where they are and actually don't presume that you know what where they are and what they need. Actually try to understand that before you respond or put something in their hands in a way. It's just basic communication skills you in a way are you are alluding to uh, as i can hear yeah and i think i think people get scared of asking customers what they need um i think there's a real and, and employees i think there's a real fear of offending someone or asking the wrong question or using the wrong terminology but certainly from a deaf person's perspective it's they would much prefer being asked that question than not being asked that question and then exactly what you just said assumptions being made about what needs to be done and the assumptions being entirely incorrect so it's meeting people where they're at and i think the pandemic's given us that opportunity to meet people on that more human level because we've been able you know i know for example if i call my bank no doubt their staff member is going to be sitting at their dining room table working um we've we're in the position now where we're almost we are in each other's houses we're in each other's lives as humans we feel like we're closer than we ever have been to people's life outside of that business world or that business life that's really changed for us um, and I think that that change will be a long standing change. So I think people are people are, are really open in that situation right now to just be asking customers, you know, how can I communicate with you? What will work for you? And and I appreciate that's happening with face coverings now. But there are various things like apps available that you can use that. So speech to text apps where you could speak into the, your phone and that could then produce that in text. And then the deaf customer would be able to read that text and be able to then respond um, either by typing on their notes on their phone, but manage communication like that. So it's there are there are there are solutions out there and things that can be used. It's just the case of, of, of testing them out and applying them. Um, but as you said, some customers might want to wear a sunflower lanyard. Some may not. Some may be happy using their phone to communicate and type messages via a notes app. Some might not. So it's it's taking the customer where they're at um, and and being there to support that communication and making that customer feel valued. I mean, that's the key. I almost think that right now there's a really interesting opportunity because I think that we there's lots of people feeling very anxious. You know, we're talking about all customers. I feel anxious when I go into a store right now because I'm in I'm in the vulnerable health group. So therefore, when I go out, I feel slightly anxious about what I'm doing, what I'm touching, all of those things. So people who are disabled will feel more anxious. So those businesses that can create a standout experience right now, in my mind, could almost create this super loyalty from customers, whereby when you support someone at their worst and at their hardest, you've almost secured the loyalty or secured the trust for a longer period of time, if that makes sense. So I think not it's it's not only doing the right thing which fits with the brand but it as we said earlier it has a huge return on investment um in terms of the opportunity the longer term opportunity in terms of customer loyalty and retention so yeah it's we're in an interesting place right now is there anything that's like you know really surprised you since you know lockdown started back in march is like and think and 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 what is it and why one there was one story that came out recently which did surprise me and it was in a an outdoor store I won't name the store but it was in an outdoor store and um, a deaf girl wasn't wearing a face covering because she's exempt from from the rules and they made a really big deal about the fact that she should be wearing a face covering um, she had hidden disability i.e she had she was deaf but she also had a cochlear implant and a cochlear implant is where you have 
it's all it's not a hearing aid that goes in your ear but it sort of clips around your ear and it has also a piece that is a, a magnetic piece that goes that sits on top of your head as well as a deaf person um so visually you could see that she had she had she was deaf you could see that it was obvious um and despite the mother continually um telling the retail um, team that actually that was the case look here's her cochlear implant they basically continued for her to wear a face covering irrespective of the fact that she's exempt and and that shocked me because I felt like as I said earlier we've all become more I think we've become more caring and more nurturing of people and understanding of people because we've had to be right because there's people in situations that have needed more support than what we have maybe but to see this sort of playing out it 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 just, I just thought it was really interesting. So I guess that mix of societal response right now, where you've got some businesses that are really understanding and that are going, right, we're going to go out of our way to do this. And some businesses who are sticking, you know, try, I guess probably trying to stick to rules and making sure that everyone's wearing a face covering, but not understanding the rules about exemptions, um, bearing in mind that there are quite a lot of people that are actually exempt from wearing face coverings. Um, so the not understanding of that rule, really, um, and the response to it, because the response didn't have to be like that. It could have been dealt with another way, like asking the customer, oh, are you not wearing a face covering because you're exempt and allowing the customer to respond and say, yes, I'm exempt because of this, this and this. Um, so I think that was that, I found that quite shocking. Um, and I don't think I'd be the only one to find that shocking, to be honest with you. No, and I guess as well, one thing is the, the impact on the business, but also the, the the deaf girl here that's actually, you know, it's a, it, it chaps away on our confidence when we are told we are not fitting in. It, it just does unconscious. And, it, and that's what we have to be very aware about, all the people we can impact in our closest circle and further out circles, what we say and do will be remembered because uh, we don't forget we are in a situation we will not forget and i I, we all try different situations as either has been as you said a really caring experience if that's been in a shop or that's been in connection with a supplier that they really understand and you find that midway ground and you stand together on solving this you will be stronger together on the other side and the other way around where you've been treated in, in an unfair way or just felt like there was not much understanding and caring and patience there. So we probably done forever. And I, I would, I would not turn back to that relationship. I mean, you don't do, that's the truth. I think about, I mean, there was a mobile phone provider that I was with before. And again, I don't do the whole name and shame, but um, I was, I was, I was with the provider for quite a long time and, and I got missold something. And when I tried to resolve the problem of this mis-selling, they, basically you know said no we don't have any we don't have any records of that we can't deal with this we can't you know and just the way I was treated was awful so I despite the fact that where I live that's the best coverage in terms of the network with that particular brand for me I just couldn't go back because it was an experience that stuck with me and just the way that it was handled was completely wrong and the mis-selling in the first place was wrong but then the way it was handled after that was wrong and I do think that when you have when so if that brand had gone if that brand had done a full 360 and said do you know what we're so sorry we shouldn't have questioned that we should have asked you what exemption you have if you take ownership of the problems that you cause and this is true of life in general as well you know 
if you take ownership of the problems that you solve, you're, you you can rectify that. And also when, when customers have problems or issues, if you're able to resolve that for them in a timely manner, and even if it's a really big problem, if you can solve that problem for them and, and, and solve it in a way that makes the customer really happy, you're almost, you're building extra loyalty there. You don't think you are, but because you've, you've seen, again, talking about where we're at now, if you see the customer at their worst with their biggest problem they're going to have with you and you resolve it simply, easily for them, they'll stick with you for longer. So I think it, it really is just about taking things down to that human level and get and understanding people's needs and working your best to, to cater to those. And you don't have to get it perfect. It's about trying. So if someone did know a little bit of sign language and a deaf customer came in and they tried their little bit of sign language, no deaf person is going to find that offensive or embarrassing or any of those things. They'll find it really satisfying that someone actually attempted to use a bit of their language with them because that doesn't happen. It's very rare. So it's just people putting themselves out there a little bit more and not being scared of being treating someone like another human being. Yeah, I think it's all about just being human in a way and meet people where they are. And uh, I think I think uh, one thing I can see, and I don't know how that this will impact deaf people. I think it will have an impact on everyone. I can feel that, you know, we were very patient and caring. It was uh, it was almost a theme over the before summer and over the summer but i can already feel now as we are approaching autumn and winter and the financial situation the reality of that you know the the government is not popping up society and not flowing out the same amount of money and money it becomes a stress factor for many businesses or individuals um you can feel the also the, the tension about the second wave it's here now we all hope it didn't arrive we were maybe a bit in a in, 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 in hope that the, the scientists was wrong, but they are never, very rarely the scientists are wrong about things. The same with climate change, I often say, they're not wrong. They they they, they looked into it um, and they know their stats and numbers. Uh, so, so, so now we're in this situation where there is again, you know, it feels like everything is thrown up in the air again, but just with an even bigger impact because now we have the financial center of life thrown out as well and nobody knows where they are in six months in any way they don't have to have a job it could be right now i have a job but i actually really don't know if i have it in six months and uh, the stress of that and i guess that comes for deaf people as well on top of that uh, that they 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 need to they, they also need people to be a bit patient with them and we lose our patient when we are under pressure we're just focusing on us because it's become survival yeah definitely and i i think i think those businesses that can really understand that exactly what i was saying earlier that when things get really stressful if you can hold on to that very core of looking after people um and and it is hard because as brits we don't like going into the winter it's a thing that all of us moan about all year round and then when it gets a bit cold we start moaning about it even more um and it is going to be tougher because we potentially we won't be able to meet indoors potentially we'll only be able to meet outdoors and obviously the weather might preclude that on certain occasions as well so we are going into what will be way tougher than what we had over the sort of first wave where the weather was lovely we could go out for walks it was you know it's pleasant it was manageable um so it will get harder but i i do think that keeping to your core like so our vision is to change the world for deaf people so as a business um whether things get financially tough or not, that's at the core of who we are. That's what we do. So every single thing we do, we live by that that mission or that vision to change the world for deaf people. So we that that's the thing that keeps us surviving and thriving. And I think that as long as businesses can really clue into 
those bigger missions. And some of the businesses that I've spoken to um, at large, you know, high levels in the organisation, um, certainly directorship levels, that's what they're doing now. They look at they're cluing into that that really deeper values of the organization and breeding that through teams so that they can even if they are in industries that are being affected and some of the brands that we've been speaking to are being affected by the pandemic right now but they are literally digging deep and going right how how do we how do we be who we are and make sure we invest in our team as they are right now whether that's a reduced number or not and, and help them live and breathe those values every day um, and that, and that, in terms of, in a, from a brand perspective, is the thing to do. I think it's really challenging for deaf employees right now because I think that there's lots of uncertainty, and we know from sort of levels of unemployment that it's more likely that a deaf person will be unemployed than a hearing person. So th- there's all that sort of to play, and then obviously lots of deaf people seeking work at the moment. Um, but again, part of the work that we are we are focusing on at the moment is working with brands that are recruiting lots of people right now. Because the flip side of this is that, yes, there's lots of brands that are having to cut staff numbers. And in the sector we're talking about in terms of focus, that's true. But there are also sectors that are growing. So it's what we're trying to do right now is, is really understand the sectors that are growing and almost match those to the deaf community and try and support that low that low employment rate amongst deaf people um, in terms of matching with opportunities right now. So there are ways, there's always ways of solving these sort of bigger issues. It's just sometimes about being creative about how, how we do that. And when it comes to deaf employees, they're more likely to stay with the business for longer if they're served well. So as, as I said, it's difficult for deaf people to find work. Therefore, if they find themselves in a position where their manager understands them, their peer groups are supportive, they feel like they're in a role that they, you know, they can stay at. They're unlikely to search for another role because actually finding what they already have, if it's good, is really difficult. So you you end up basically keeping deaf staff for much longer than you would hearing staff, which if we think about retention and the issue that there is there with, with large businesses, um, that, that solves that, that helps solve that problem as well. So, yeah, it's, it's I think there are, I think, there's always going to be challenges, um, and I think it's about cluing, really keying down into the values of the organisation and making sure that your staff still believe that that's true, supporting them, um, and then moving that further to looking at those businesses that there are there is opportunity of growth, um, and and yeah, ensuring that they're thinking about deaf customers and deaf employees along the growth journey that they're having as well, um, and not not excluding anyone. I think it's very interesting you say there. I call also the diverse, uh, you know, approach to recruitment because uh, in my my previous uh, part of my career, I worked in McDonald's and it was part of a people team where where our strategy was actually to recruit people with uh, disabilities because we saw that uh, all respect, the hunger was bigger. And they stayed for longer. They appreciated they got a chance in a way. Uh, uh, of course, it took a bit more work to get them into the job, the induction. But you should do a proper induction no matter who you onboard. So you had to maybe spend 15% extra. But we are talking about here, there was a guy uh, in in a restaurant. He uh, had a disability. I can't remember exactly what it was. But normally, in average, in that restaurant, there would probably be the two to three years was quite good. Uh, but he was, uh, when I left, he's been there for 11 years, 11 years in that McDonald's restaurant. He came every week on two shifts for five hours. That that consistency and just, you knowing that person comes and do those fries every Monday or Friday, whatever it is, it was invaluable 
as they said, the leadership team in that restaurant, and also the energy they they brought in because they just uh, you know are so happy to have this opportunity, and maybe they don't have a full time job, but they they have an opportunity to add value. So that hunger, I think, sometimes you have to remember as well. We often become very focusing on recruiting people that look like us, or we have a picture of how they should look. So yeah. And I think I think you've you've just hit the nail on the head because, like you said, you know maybe you've got that extra fifteen percent time that's needed to you know facilitate that happening through the induction process. But if you then look at that comparative from your two to three years, moving that to eleven years, I mean that's you think about the saving um, in terms of the cost saving, having to re-recruit, the time saving, having someone not in the business and having to bring someone back into the business, and then the time to retrain that team member. Um, or if you think like take that two to three years over that 11 years, you're re-recruiting into that role numbers of times within that 11 years. So it's the the opportunity to businesses to recruit um, from, like you said, from diverse groups of, of people is huge. And I just don't think people recognize that. And I think it is the fear of the unknown and a little bit of the. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what you know, I've had conversations with employers before where they've they've we've talked about this and they've said, Well, I wouldn't know what to do with a deaf employee. Like I wouldn't know how to how how to number one, how to recruit them, I wouldn't know how to induct them, how to train them, how to support them in their role, all of that stuff. And there's that fear factor. But there are schemes such as access to work which is a government funded scheme that funds support in the workplace for disabled employees. So there is there are schemes out there that will support if a deaf person, for example, works in an office environment and needs to go to a team meeting, the access to work scheme will pay for an interpreter so that they can access that environment or pay for a note taker or so pay for basically the adjustment that would need to be taken to make that work. And the same would happen in retail or hospitality. If it was, you know, any of the huddle meetings, there's ways to do that via remote interpreting. There's lot, there's so many ways to do that. So uh, sometimes it's just removing the fear um, and the unknown. And People do get fearful of the unknown and they, do, and they want to do it right. They don't want to exclude anyone, you know, unintentionally. Is there any places, because I'm sure you could talk for hours about all the uh, different tools accessible for businesses to to both recruit and actually make their environments better for people working in there as customers. Where, where should people go and have a look for information and inspiration to either re-ramp this journey or get this journey started? Yeah, well, I mean, our blog, and I'm not it's not about self-promoting, it's just actually simply that we write a lot of really helpful information. Um, we have a blog on our website that people can go to to get relevant articles um, and stuff like that. And we also have various sorts of downloads that we produce that, you know, help people think about employing deaf people and stuff. So we, we I mean, we offer the opportunity for people to jump on a call and we give them tons of advice. And we've done, um, certainly during the pandemic, we've done that way more than we would normally, uh, not saying we wouldn't normally do that, but we've, we've really put ourselves out there to be um, those people that people can come to and ask those questions that they just don't know the answers to. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just sort of seeking, seeking, seeking the expertise where it is and, and looking into it. But it's, as I said, it's definitely a massive opportunity. Is there any tech that can help companies? There's any tech they should look into, like a minimum tech you mentioned earlier. It's just a note. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be tech. Uh, what is your your thinking on tech and helping deaf people being customers and employees? Well, I think tech. I think tech has its place, but I think it's it's remembering that tech has its place alongside all of the traditional methods of how we communicate as humans. Because I think for me, that's way more important than any of the tech that you could put in, because um, you can eradicate most problems that way. Um, I mean, what we what we've seen just 
I'll go sort of through a range of things that we've seen happening in, in retail and hospitality. There, there are, for example, with face coverings, there are companies that have produced transparent face masks. So they're face coverings and they have a transparent plastic panel that sits in front of the mouth that enables a deaf person to lip read. So that would be for someone working either in, in hospitality or in retail for them to be wearing that. And it also, because of the fact that you can lip read, you can also see someone smiling. And that makes a massive impact into how we feel as customers, especially in this really weird world that we're in now. We can't see anyone smiling. It feels really strange. Um, so transparent face masks are a really simple way of engaging with your customers, whether they be deaf or hearing, by the way, because that being able to see someone smile, that, again, reassures you, makes you feel comfortable, makes you feel like you're you're welcome, but you're also safe. It, 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 there's so much that that does to us for humans. It's unreal. And then there are things like, as I said earlier, you've got the sunflower lanyards for customers to identify themselves. There's also various badges that deaf people, some deaf people are wearing, saying, I can't lip read through your mask. Please understand. Sunflower lanyard scheme, the text, to, uh, the speech to text apps. Um, there's also the traditional um, loop systems as well that often get forgotten about. Um, so loop systems are obviously there to amplify the particular area for the deaf person. So the deaf person would switch their hearing aid to a different setting and then they would be able to access the sound around that particular setting. So it's crucial with loop systems that you actually check regularly that they're working. Feedback from the deaf community is that they don't get checked basically and that therefore they're not working so that's a problem so if you have systems like loop systems please make sure you check them regularly so that they're actually you know that they're working um so that's that can be really helpful um and if we're talking about deaf people that are sign language users um there are various um obviously you could have an interpreter face to face but there are also various ways of having an interpreter sort of on call almost so there are vrs providers that if you needed an interpreter right here, right now, you would call them up and you'd have an interpreter online. So there are various ways if you're, for example, in a hospitality setting and have a deaf employee that's a sign language user, if you want to access communication quickly, then that's a good way to sort of eradicate or, or improve that communication. And again, the scheme I talked about earlier with access to work, that would cover any adjustments like that. So that would be paid for as part of that scheme. Yeah, so there's all, there's all sorts of things. Um, what's been really interesting as well is, as we know, for, for businesses that do operate um, in a face-to-face -face environment and in an office environment, you've got all the tech like Microsoft Teams and Zoom and all of those sorts of tech platforms that we've been using to conduct regular meetings with team members. Um, and, mo and very recently, Zoom have actually popped some um, a change to their software so that deaf people can use interpreters on their software easily. And having more power to basically pin who they want to see on the screen so that they can pin, for example, the presenter and the interpreter so that they don't the interpreter doesn't become a really small person who they can't see in the mix of all the other people in the meeting. So it's re it's been really satisfying, certainly from our perspective, to see brands understanding the challenges that were there before, obviously. But now we're working in these different environments. It's it's nice to see things adapting quickly. So yeah, I think it's 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 interesting. I think people are considering needs more more willingly right now um, and when you see large brands like zoom making these changes it's inspirational for other brands to look at and go oh they're doing that what can we do to think about these customer groups yeah and, and it's so interesting you know because uh, they are probably you know one of the most has have become they were probably very impactful before this but you know become very an impactful organization because this is the way we communicate a lot of the day you know 
uh, you almost need to put a, a now a, a level. I, I'm starting to pick up the phone now because the Zoom thing is just so dreading in a way sometimes that it takes so much energy of you. It's a very different way. And I think it's very clever. They have seen uh, and very human. They've seen there's a massive need there. So they're definitely fulfilling more than 250 million people's need maybe out there or definitely a very big part of them. So tech can help is is what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think the tech can help, but I think the businesses go to that first. Like businesses we speak to, the first question is, what tech can I put in place to solve the problem? Um, and my response to that is, yes, there is tech. There's things that you can do, definitely. Like on a website, for example, you can have online chat, which is an obvious thing. But for a deaf customer, it means that they can, there's a facility they can use rather than having to rely on a phone call. So, that, you know, there are things like that that yeah, absolutely enhance the customer experience. There's no question about that. But really we're talking about understanding a customer where they're at and and looking at communicating with them in a way that works for them so not assuming that we can solve problems by tech always i think we're in a world right now where tech plays such a big part and i think businesses are looking for those quick win those easy solutions but i almost feel like if they can nail their customer experience then you, you know think think back, think back like 20 30 years when we didn't have access to the tech we have now customer experience was good we didn't have you know there would be places that you wouldn't get that customer experience but the, the, the sole focus would be on that and if we think about the decline in the high street right now what we what we really are looking at is retailers that are wowing customers they're the retailers that will survive this because they're the places that customers will want to go and experience that thing that they're experiencing and that's an intangible thing it's not a you know, it, it's a it's a feeling that we have. It's a it's a way that someone makes us feel, a way that someone treats us. So we can't replace that by tech. And I think that it's it, you know, pop the tech in where it's useful, but just absolutely don't forget that the you know the high street is dependent on people having an experience, and that's why we are going out. We're going out to have an experience. So that's the absolute key. It's uh, it's always interesting because tech often becomes you know the. Uh... Uh, they always think that's the, the key solution, digitization or tech, but often it's actually more the, the principles about how you operate business and tech will just help you do some of the heavy lifting and make it easier for you to, to reach more people. So you're, you're spot on. Um, every time we talk, Victoria, uh, I, uh, I definitely get the feel that there's a very authentic person here on, on a mission. How do you get all this energy to keep going because you're the CEO and founder of this organization and you just you know you just you're just on it because even though you know it's a difficult time you, you can hear now as we talk you you just have energy levels that is, is amazing how, how, how do you find that energy because you must you must go somewhere and recharge at some point um what do I do um um I do you know what I've always had this level of energy and and I don't think that will ever change about me and it's it's funny because that's what all my friends say they're like how and where where does it come from what do you do um I'm I'm very self-aware I know what my needs are I'm very self-aware so I know when I need some quiet time I'm very aware of what that looks like if I need time with friends I know I do the things that I need to do I listen to my body um I eat well I drink well um yeah, I, I do all the things I do all the things that I need to do to keep myself sane. I mean, during the pandemic, I've, I mean, I've got two young children. I've got a seven and a nine year old. So during the pandemic, I had two children to homeschool in different years, as well as a business to run and a team to motivate and keep going. Um, and they had kids at home, too. So it was it was tough. Um, but I think 
because because if, I think if you're content in your if you're content in yourself and you're looking for the joy in life of which there is plenty of joy you know like I said earlier the period that we're in lockdown the weather was absolutely stunning um and that's and that sounds like a small joy but because there were less cars on the road I could hear more birds singing in my garden and that sounds really basic but I guess for me it's those it's those really basic things that have a big impact like having a nice cup of coffee or having a good chat with a friend or having a nice walk when it's sunny but it's cold out it really I'm a, pre, a pretty simple human being in that sense that I like the small things um but also I know that what we're doing as a business and the impact that we're making and the impact that we and the ability of the larger impact we can make so that that keeps me constantly motivated I guess if you just said to me 14 years ago you know because I was as excited obviously back 14 years ago if you'd have said to me you're going to be as excited in 14 years as you are now I probably wouldn't have believed you but it just it, it still feels it, it's just who I am and it just it feels so authentic to me to be doing this and I think sometimes you're put on this earth to do something and this is my thing and I'm just I'm in the right lane doing the right thing um, I don't compromise I'll help anyone that needs help um, it's not all about running a, a profitable business for me it's about that bigger mission and about just reaching out and helping people um, you know that's what we do we do that all day and that that I, I live in a happy place because I know that I'm making impact so that's me really yeah there's definitely no doubt that I, I will just boil it down to you you live and breathe your purpose every day and in and out and that's where you get your energy from I, I've, I've seen that with, with other people as well so I think yeah so yeah try to find that purpose in all this that could be be a good advice try to really find and live your purpose if you don't do that already because you will you'll you'll you will not only feel really well but you will have an insane energy to to move things forward Leading on to the last question, uh, Victoria, what is your top three advice, or it could be two or one advice for for leaders out there to, uh, let's say, make make the world a better place? For it could be with the angle of deaf people. What what uh, what would you leave them with uh, on this podcast? Okay, so number one, as you probably gathered already, a word that I've probably used more than any other word apart from the word deaf is communication. Um, it's so 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 overlooked. And when I talk about communication, I'm talking about communicating internally and externally. So it, it, when we communicate, we're talking about externally communicating to our customers, whether that be in that interaction or how we communicate via our website, via the media, all of that sort of stuff. Thinking about that truly um, and, and, and doing that well, but, but also really understanding that we have internal customers and that's our teams, right? So if we institute things like the Sunflower Lanyard Scheme, do tell your team so that they know, so that when a customer comes in and they ask for it, they don't, they're not ruffling around trying to find this thing that they've not been told about. So make sure that the initiatives that are put in place, like a loop system, like a lanyard system, if there's any signage, any of that stuff, make sure that your team are aware of what you're putting in place. Because that makes, if the customer comes in and they know, and the team member knows what they're doing, that, that you know, the customer is like, wow, you've, got, you've put something in place for me. And you know how to use it and you're doing it. So I think that's absolutely, absolutely key. Um, other things that I would suggest, uh, do, 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 be, aware, be aware of the exemptions with the face coverings. And that's that's a really sort of a right now thing, but be aware of them. We, I mean, I'd hate to see any other examples like the situation that, that happened in this outdoor, um, outdoor sort of sports store. That would just be devastating. So absolutely make sure that you're doing that. Um, Another probably opportunity that's overlooked massively is um, 
businesses will have disabled employees. So any business will have disabled employees. They might not know they have, but they definitely have. Tune into those employees' experiences and, and take insight from them and look at how you can use that insight to impact your customer experience. It's a, it's a wealth of knowledge that you have within your business. They understand your business. They understand the brand. They understand how that can be applied to themselves as a customer and sort of put themselves in those shoes. So absolutely um, sort of, yeah, engage with your teams and make sure you're using any insight or intelligence internally to to improve the sort of external aspects as well. Some amazing uh, advice and especially I like the last one because we just talked about how many people it was that's actually having a hearing disability. You could actually already have them without knowing them you know, your experts on the ground that would straight away be able to improve this both from an employee and customer experience point of view. So you can take it 80% of the way without actually have to go out and look for anything. Just just ask normally. And normally if the CEO asks, there will always be somebody saying, okay, now I can actually make a difference. He, They are ready to listen to me. So uh, and I, I, often is my experience, people will will turn up and give you some great advice as the, the CEO and the leader of a business because uh, the challenge is often you don't you don't ask and listen <laughs> so so I think that was a really good point yeah thank you and I think I think just to add to that um I mean you're also creating more loyalty aren't you because what you're actually doing is you're telling your team member that they're valued and, and that their opinions valued and that you understand them and you're seeing them for who they are and you're taking their experience into consideration so again you're just creating what is this super loyalty with with employees where they feel like you care you listen you you really value what they have to say and you're willing to listen to what they have to say and implement it within the business i mean i have a i have a a deaf friend that works in um, a company and she is constantly asked by the management team um what what do we, what do we do if that happens what do we do if that happens and she just said i feel like they actually care about deaf customers because they're asking me about my experience and they're replying what i'm telling them to what they're doing um and i i just think that that's such a huge message to be sharing within the business that you're you're looking for the expertise within your team and you're listening and you're implementing based on that i mean you know we have to take these we have to take these suggestions you know in, into an operational consideration don't we you know is that feasible is that going to work but but it, but just gathering that insight is is yeah using experience and intelligence you have within the business and also showing that you're you're looking after your staff and you care about their opinions that was a, a super conversation victoria uh, thank you so much for your time and also giving us uh, this amazing overview about the as you said in the beginning the opportunity of this market but also the challenges this within deaf people right now engaging both in an employee experience but also the customer experience of, of being especially around now fast face masks have become uh, mandatory so I will wish you all the energy and power you need to, to, to drive your organization forward and keep on doing all the good work. Uh, there's really need for it out there. And uh, I, was, I hope to, to, to speak to you soon. Thank you. Have a great day. Victoria, thank you so much for your insight into how to make the customer experience better for deaf people. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.